Hi, my name's Andy, and thanks for watching today. Before we get started, we wanted to fill you in on our church. Here at Grace Community Church, we have a mission and purpose. Our goal is to point people towards Jesus. If you are looking for a church, we would love for you to be a part of what God is doing here at Grace. There are a couple of different ways for you to start getting connected to Grace. You can check us out on Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube, and more information about service times and smaller groups can be found at ohiograce.com. We would also like to invite you to one of our Sunday morning services. These times are 8.30, 10, and 11.30. We have a great time gathering for music, hanging out, and learning about who God is and how that affects our lives. Thanks for watching, and we hope to see you next week here at Grace. Last week, Pastor Kevin jumped us off in this new series as we look at the book of Ecclesiastes. I love this book. I love this book because it is brutally honest. If you want to get some advice from like the wisest guy, in fact, the Bible tells us at the time of Solomon, he was the wisest man alive. And he had all kinds of experience in life. And so if we're looking for some direction, here's a guy who can give it for us. Basically, the, this message that he has is that life under the sun, as he calls it, life as we know it, life ap apart from God, life well, from what we can see, has no meaning. Because this is a crooked, fallen, bent world, and there's no fixing it. That's just the reality under the sun. Solomon knew the problem. He knew he couldn't fix it and neither can we. If all we have is what's here physically, if that's it, then we are running on empty. If that's all we have. I bought a book the other week um, from the Foxfire series. You know that series of books, there's like 12 volumes of, about um, life in Appalachia. Uh, you've got uh, the stories of a lot of people telling about how they lived and the things they did and how they did them. And I bought this volume because actually in, in, the, in this volume there's a story about one of my uncles and some pictures of him, so I wanted to have a copy of that. And, but these people, they had typically a lot less materially than we did. They had less education than we did. But they lived life and they had all these abilities to handle it on, in their own way that many people today just couldn't, couldn't do. We've got more stuff, we're more educated, we find more ways to find pleasure, but we are a nation and a society of unhappy people. We've got a whole generation that's essentially bored without life. I mean, just ask them. They'll tell you, they're thinking there has to be more, that this life isn't satisfying. And the thing is, they're exactly right. If we're talking about life under the sun. We're a culture of people who don't know why we're here. We have full hands, but our hearts and lives are empty. Solomon comes to the conclusion, though, that changes everything. 
he comes to the conclusion that the whole point of life is God. It's all about knowing him, seeking him, pursuing him. And that pursuit changes everything. Everything goes from being meaningless to being meaningful. That's what we were talking about last week as we started looking at Solomon's thoughts here from Ecclesiastes as he brutally takes a look at life under the sun, life without God. And while so many of us know that and believe that money or things or achievement won't give us fulfillment or meaning, we know what goes on in our minds. And somehow, even knowing that, we'll get caught up in thinking that if we can only achieve, if we can only obtain, if we can only accomplish, that'll be great. That'll be, that'll be something. That'll make me happy. But then we reach that something, and it doesn't do for us what we like. And, and so we just keep doing our lists until the day we die. We keep adding something else to our list. It's what the philosopher Peter Crave called a wild goose chase with no goose. We keep chasing fulfillment through reorganizing our external life, all the time knowing that fulfillment will only come through reorganizing our internal life. But we continue to pursue the external anyway. And like a lot of us, Solomon had spent a good portion of his life devoted to that wild goose chase with no goose. The difference is he had the means to take it to its ultimate conclusion. And having taken it there, he gives us his results. He talks about a number of areas he gives a shot to to try to find meaning. And we're going to look at some of those areas in the next few weeks. And we're starting today with the area, the area of pleasure. He pursued pleasure, trying to find meaning there. In chapter 2, verse 1, he says, I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure, so enjoy yourself. And behold, it too was futility. Solomon decides to give pleasure a chance to find meaningful purpose in life. And who would? I mean, who doesn't like pleasure, right? I mean, who doesn't want to enjoy yourself? I like a comfortable pair of shoes. I like a good steak. I like a quiet nap. If I get to choose between pleasure and pain, I choose pleasure. You know, I'd, I'd rather have that nap than take a stick in the eye. I'd rather have that steak than a smack in the head. I like pleasure. And there's nothing wrong with pleasure in itself. God blesses us with many things to enjoy in life. But living for pleasure first, living for pleasure only, living for pleasure as men define it, Solomon says, he's, I've done that. It, too, was futility. It was empty. See, he learned that when your life becomes about your personal pleasure, you become a slave to pleasing yourself. And it only enchains you. He goes on to tell us about some of the things that he tried in his pursuit of pleasure. And you'll notice that some of these things, they're not bad in themselves. Some of them are good things. But it's the priority that they were given in his life that made them wrong, that left him empty. He tells us first that he tried laughter. He tried laughter. Nothing wrong with laughter. In fact, the Bible recommends it. In Proverbs 17, 22, it says a joyful heart, or as some paraphrase that, laughter is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. Laughter is good medicine. It's like a powerful pill that will cure you. 
But in verse 2 here, Solomon says, I said of laughter, it is madness. And of pleasure, what does it accomplish? Solomon's like, I tried laughter as a priority in life. It was insanity. But everybody likes a good laugh. I mean, wouldn't it be great to be able to hire a comedian to just walk around behind you, and whenever you want it, they can tell you a joke just to make you laugh. Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't you be happy just to be able to laugh all the time? Would that be something to make us feel good? But Psalm's like, I tried that. I tried it, and it was empty. It wasn't the answer. So I kept looking. And he goes on, verse 3, he says, I, I explored with my mind how to stimulate my body with wine while my mind was guiding me wisely and how to take hold of folly until I could see what good there is for the sons of men to do under heaven the few years of their lives. Basically what he's saying here is this. He's describing for us a continual spring break. <laughs> he, he said, that looked like a lot of fun. So I'm going to try that. I'm going to try to find some meaning in just having a wild, crazy time. So I went after madness and folly. Back in chapter 1, verse 17, he says, I set my mind to know wisdom. We get that. But he says, and to know madness and folly. I realize that this also is striving after wind. So I went after wisdom, but I also went after madness and folly. I, I just wanted to have a crazy time. I'm a party animal. That was Solomon. We've got this sort of strange uh, mystery that's been going on at our house for a, a number of years now. Um, don't know why it happens, don't know when it happens, or who's doing this. But we have a backyard that is fenced in, and uh, every once in a while, every six months to a year, get up in the morning and look out in our backyard and there in our backyard will be a stuffed animal. It makes no sense, I know. I've been saying that for years. Who does this? Why? If it's one of you, please come talk to me. <laughs> I don't get it. And if you know where we live, we're not close enough to anybody. You know, somebody has to walk purposefully to get to our backyard to put that animal in there. It's crazy. And our, we have two big dogs in that backyard. And so if they happen to get a hold of that stuffed animal before I get a hold of that stuffed animal, it's a mess in the backyard. I mean, it's just spread everywhere because they're animals. You want to, to them, that's a, that's a good time. Sometimes people get the idea, if I can just go out and get a little crazy, go nuts, act like an animal, that would be fun. That would make me happy. Guess what? Solomon's like, been there, done that, and it was empty. It didn't work for me. So he tried something else. He says he, he, he started building. He built a house. Some young people are like, yeah, boy, I, I can't wait. It'll make me, I'll be really happy when I can get out of my parents' house. Yeah, so will they, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but 
but we're all, all of us, you know, a lot of us, we're always, we're always thinking, boy, if I just had a bigger house, a nicer house, that'd be great. If I just had, Solomon, Solomon had, you know how it took almost 13 years to build Solomon's house. And he had unlimited resources to do that. Think what that place must have looked like. And Solomon's like, didn't bring me anything. It was empty. So I kept looking. Some of us, you know, we think we'd be happy if we just had some peace and quiet. Just had some nice spot to go to, away from it all. Solomon says here in verse 5, he said, I made gardens and parks for myself, and I planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made ponds of water for myself from which to irrigate a forest of growing trees. Yeah, he's like, hey, I, I, I made this sort of private oasis for myself, a place I can get away, you know, garden, you know, I can just relax. I, I can make nature work for me. And it was empty. And so he went on. What about servants? Wouldn't it be great to have servants that you paid to do everything that you hate to do? So they, 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 they picked up your clothes. They took out the garbage. They paid the bills. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that make us happy? If they did everything, I mean, think about it. What kind of servant would you have? What would you be looking for? Be looking for a, 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 a chef who could, who could uh, you know, fix you dinner at night? Nice dinner. You don't have to, you don't have to ever worry about fixing a, a meal again because they're there making it for you every night. Be, oh, well, maybe a baker, somebody who could do all the desserts, you know, the cakes, the pies, the donuts, everything else. That would be great, wouldn't it? How about a massage therapist that you could pay to take all those knots out, get you relaxed? Some of us would like a mechanic to pay, just to have around, take care of all the things to do with the cars, right? You don't have to worry about that anymore. Never a problem with that again. What would you, what would you have? Some of us are like a, maybe a personal style consultant. Get us always looking our best. Solomon's, we're told, his daily food intake that he needed for his home was enough for 35,000 people because those were his servants. And it was empty. How about herds and flocks? You love animals? Solomon talks about his herds and his flocks. He went after that as well. I mean, think about it. I know some of you are probably dog people. Some of you are cat people for some reason. <laughs> some of you feed the squirrels. Solomon was a horse guy. He had horses and horse horses. And, and wouldn't it be great to have servants that you're paying to take care of all the work so that you just got to enjoy your animals. Solomon's like, I tried that too. 
wealth. I, I want to be happy. I've I got to have some money, right? Wouldn't it be terrific to be rich? That's why people play the lottery, right? Because they got this fantasy that if I just had a bunch of money, that, that will make me happy. But we've all heard the stories of people who, who won the lottery and then somehow it, it basically ruined their lives. Like a guy named Jack Whitaker, number, several years ago, back now, won the lottery one Christmas day. His fantasy came true. Won the large, at that time, the largest lottery ever. $319 million. It's great. He decided on the one-time payout of 113. So $113 million. His life is set. He had a daughter, one daughter. He decided he'd give her $5,000 a week. He had one granddaughter named Brandy. Brandy, he decided, I'll give, she's 15 years old, I'll give her $5,000 a week too. Life's good. We got all this money to spend. We're set. By the time Brandy was 17, she had a place to live of her own. She had a number of cars. Everything was set. And then Jack started having issues. He started getting addicted to high-stakes gambling. Lost a lot of money. Ended up doing quite a bit of drinking. Arrested for driving under the influence multiple times. Ended up being ordered into therapy. Till one day, a 18-year-old friend of Brandy's is found dead at his home of an overdose. And Brandy, who you think would, your know, life's taken off. Jack described her at 15 as being a quiet girl with a great smile. At 16, he described her as the most bitter 16-year-old he'd ever met. She had basically unlimited money and got involved with drugs. And you can imagine the danger that that takes, and you can imagine what happened next. Two years after winning that lottery on Christmas Day, two years later on Christmas Eve, Jack and his family buried Brandy. She was found wrapped in a plastic tarp laying beside a junk van at her boyfriend's house. You think when Brandy was given that first $5,000, you think she just thought, man, she had the answer to life? think she had found happiness and Jack you think he had found it he thought that he thought wow when I won that 113 million dollars I could take home you think that's 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 it I'm set if I just had the money like that that's what people think or maybe your tastes are a little more simple you like music Solomon tells us he provided for himself his own singers. <laughs> uh, just wherever I go, I want you to come sing for me. What's, what's your favorite band? What's your favorite singer of all time? I asked, I asked some of the staff that this past week. I work with some unusual people. 
got a wide variety of answers. Cat Stevens, Michael Buble, ACDC. We'll work on that one. Creedence Clearwater Revival, Queen, Led Zeppelin, Johnny Cash. Wouldn't it be great to have your favorite singer just follow you around wherever you went and you can just tell, hey, Johnny, uh, a boy named Sue. I'd like that. <laughs> just, and, or maybe you put a band in every room. You know, they play as you, as you went to the, into the room. They could start playing for you. Wouldn't that be something? Solomon's like, I had, I had the ability to, to hire my own singers, have them there. Tried that too. It was empty. And then Solomon tells us that he provided for himself the pleasures of men, many concubines. Some people would be happy if they just could get a date, right? Solomon had any woman he wanted. It's empty. Fame. Wouldn't it be great to be well-known and be liked? That's what Solomon talks about in verse 9. Just being known. Be like, wow. Wouldn't it be great? Would it bring me pleasure to be famous? But haven't we seen just this past week that fame doesn't bring happiness? I mean, we have two celebrities commit suicide this past week. It's empty, right? The fame didn't bring them purpose and meaning in life. And then he tells us this in verse 10. He says, all that my eyes desired, I did not refuse them. So he's gone through this long list. I've tried everything. I tried laughter. I tried music. I tried money. I tried homes. I tried gardens. I tried tried animals. I tried all this stuff. All that my eyes desired, I did not refuse them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure. For my heart was pleased because of all my labor that... This, and this was my reward for all my labor. Boy, I've worked hard. I deserve some pleasure, so I'm going to go after it. And Solomon went after everything he could possibly go after, and he went over after it as hard as he could possibly go. That's what we do. It's like we're riding this stationary bike of pleasure, and we get on there and we pedal as fast as we can, as long as we can, until our life is over, and then the next generation jumps on. And if all, in, all, in all of that, if that's our priority, if pleasure becomes our priority it, and it's done without a connection to God, it is meaningless. It's striving after the wind. It's a wild goose chase with no goose. There's no profit in it under the sun. That's what a guy who's tried it all finally concludes. But for some reason, it's like, we don't get it. So we keep looking, thinking it will be great. You know, there are 90 nations in the world where their citizens spend less totally each year than we spend on our garbage bags. We're great at spending Statistically, only 25% of people who go into a mall know what they're going in there for. 
25, 25 percent, only 25%. The other 75%, they're there doing therapy. They've got their credit card in their hand, and they're there looking for something to bring them happiness. What's filling your life? All of it is empty if it's not God. The answer given to us in Psalm 16, verse 11, great verse, you will make known to me the path of life. God, you will make known to me the path of life. I like the word path. A path goes somewhere, right? I mean, we're not just wandering around all over the place. God makes known to us the path, a, a direction that's headed somewhere, and a path is proven. It's been used. It works. You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forever. See, pleasure isn't wrong, but real lasting pleasure only comes from our pursuit of God. That's the answer. That's what brings real satisfaction. You want to know why people keep going back to the same stuff over and over again and trying other things over and over again that doesn't bring ultimate satisfaction? It's because they've not been consumed with God. So they're not satisfied. And they think they deserve to be satisfied. They've worked hard. We want, so I'm wanting something to bring me some happiness. I've tried hard at life. I deserve a little happiness. And God does want us to find pleasure. But it needs to be in Him. In His presence. In His right hand. Following His path. That's real pleasure. You say, well, okay. But if there's nothing wrong with a lot of pleasure, how do I know whether I'm really connecting that to God or not? How do I know whether that pleasure has become my priority or my pursuit of God is my priority? How do I know the difference? Let me, let me give you a few reasons how you can know, okay? And, and the first ones should be pretty obvious. If that pleasure you're going after is in direct disobedience to God's Word, then that pleasure has become your priority over God. You're choosing whatever that pleasure is over what God says. You'd think that would be obvious to us, those of us who call ourselves Christians. But I see a lot of people who say they're believers choosing some pleasure anyway instead of what God has told us is right. And somehow we think that that's going to work out for us. Somehow we think that's going to bring us meaning. Somehow we think that's going to bring us enjoyment. Somehow we think it's going to bring us satisfaction in life. You've got to know that's not going to end good. You can't ignore what God has commanded and expect Him to bless you in that. So if you are choosing pleasure that is in direct disobedience to God's Word, don't expect for that to bring you satisfaction for very long. There's another way we can know whether our pursuit of that pleasure is controlling our pursuit of God. And that is if failing to achieve that pleasure causes you to react in a way that's unchristlike. And, and so I'm going to 
I want to go do this. I want to have this as part of my life. And then something happens, temporary or permanent, and it blocks me from, from achieving that pleasure. Whatever that is, and so then I react in a way that's unchrist like I get angry, I complain, I worry, I pout, or whatever. If your reaction isn't like Jesus would have you react, then the pursuit of that pleasure was most likely motivated by something other than Jesus himself. And you need to acknowledge that and make the right adjustments in your life. You need to ask yourself, why am I reacting this way? And be willing to deal aggressively to get rid of what you're pursuing and put it in line with, first of all, and primarily, your pursuit of God. And then the third answer. How do I know if the pursuit of this has become the priority in my life? If trying to achieve that pleasure causes you to be distracted from the things that God wants. So in, in this case, I'm not talking about direct disobedience to God's word, but somehow pursuing that pleasure causes you to spend less time alone with him, or it causes you to spend less time at church, or it causes you to spend less time serving others, or it distracts you from being the husband you should be, or the wife you should be, or the friend you should be, then what's motivating the pursuit of that pleasure is something other than Jesus himself. And again, you need to take a good, hard look at that and make adjustments, deal aggressively with it. I'm convinced that God wants us to enjoy life. It's all over Scripture, right? We're supposed to rejoice. We're supposed to rejoice in all things. We're supposed to rejoice. The Bible talks a lot about festivals and celebrations. We're supposed to enjoy what God has done for us. But we need to enjoy what we have within the parameters that God has established. Because there, what's there is real pleasure and lasting pleasure. If you're looking for something that isn't fool's gold, if you're looking for something that's real, find your pleasure in God. Pursue Him. And in pursuing Him, you'll find pleasure. Let Him make known to you the path of life. Let Him bring you fullness of joy. Let Him give you pleasures forever. Pursue him. And you'll find meaning and purpose and pleasure. Pursue him. If you have questions about that, how to do that, maybe you've never even come into a relationship with God, or whatever you'd like to, to talk to a pastor about, we'll be back here in room one. We're going to dismiss in just a moment. Whatever, wherever you find yourself spiritually today, pursue God. And in Him, you'll find pleasure. Let's stand and pray. Father in heaven, we thank you, God, for your goodness to us. And you've certainly blessed us with um, with with much in life everything we have God has come from you you're a good father who's poured out your good gifts to us
You know, Father, we, uh, we need to acknowledge that. We need to be thankful. And God, it's in those good gifts that we f- do find real pleasure. Help us, Father, to make sure that our priorities of our life are right. Help us, Father, not to pursue things that are either wrong or distracting to our walk with you. Father, for the world around us, the people around us that are, that are chasing other things, God, help us to be able to provide them with an answer and to show them what it means to walk through life with you and know, God, your goodness. God, for those maybe you haven't ever come into a relationship with you that may be here, well, Father, we pray that they would take that step today, that they'd, they'd seek you. And for those of us who are believers, in all we do, in all we seek in life, Father, help our pursuit of you to be above it all. Help that to be our priority. Thank you, God, for your love today. We love you for loving us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Thanks for watching, and we hope to see you next week here at Grace.